Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Sunday, October 16th, 2022. And on this podcast, we're going to review Kentucky football's big 27-17 win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs last night at Kroger Field. Kentucky improved to 5-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the SEC. Mississippi State dropped to 5-2 and two as well. The Bulldogs are also 2-2 two and two in the SEC. A big, much-needed win for the Cavs who are coming off a two-game losing streak with losses to Ole Miss and South Carolina. And to talk about the win and to look ahead to the big game with Tennessee in a couple of weeks, Kentucky has a bye week this week, I talk with my friend, colleague, and fellow Herald leader and Kentucky.com sports columnist Mark Story as we do every Sunday after a UK football game. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story of the Herald leader and Kentucky.com on Kentucky football's big win. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? Good, John. Big win last night, Kentucky over Mississippi State 27-17 at Kroger Field. My first question would be, how big a win was it? I think it was a really big win. Uh, it, you know, the fans have so much invested in this season, you know, producing something special, and I don't know that it's going to be difficult at this point with two SEC losses for that something special to be winning the East, although it's not mathematically impossible. But, you know, by, by, by beating Mississippi State, you know, you, you, you leave the door open in this, the last part of the season when you come back after the open date to, to, to doing some good things. And uh, had you not won last night, you know, would have been three losses in a row. And I just don't know that that door would have been open. Yeah, I mean, I think if you lose, I think you lose that game last night going into a bye week, you're going to be four and three. I think Big Blue Nation's going to turn its full attention to basketball. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of optimism for the rest of the year, especially with uh, Tennessee and Georgia on the schedule. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a huge win, I think, for Kentucky in a game that really they had to have, especially after the performance against South Carolina. So how did Kentucky win, uh, win the game last night? What were your overall thoughts on how they won the game? Well, they got a tremendous individual effort from Christopher Rodriguez, kind of a vintage C-Rod performance where, you know, he just sort of takes over the game with, you know, phys- physical running, just punishing the opponent. I think they wore Mississippi State down and also kept the Mississippi State offense on the bench. And I thought Will Levis, you know, sort of like Steven Johnson in 2017 against Tennessee, you had the dramatic the, the quarterback leaving the field to go get an x-ray and then charging back out on the field to, to, to lead, lead his team. And, you know, it was, it was a, a good performance. I thought the Kentucky offensive line played its best game of the year. Only gave up one quarterback sack, only four tackles for loss, which given the way this season has gone, those are tremendous numbers. Right. And, and uh, then I thought Brad White, you know, one, what is for now the, the rubber match with Mike Leach? They've, they've gone against each other three times. And Brad's had the upper hand twice, and you know Mike obviously had the upper hand last year in Starkville. Now, you know, in fairness, you know this has turned into such a home field series. The home team has won this game every year uh, since 2015, and that Kentucky was happy to continue that trend last night. But I thought, you know, Kentucky's defense, you know, played really well. I thought the tackling, which was a, a, a problem against South Carolina, which is in the second half, which is unusual for UK and is so vital against an air raid, which is built so much on yards after catch. I thought Kentucky's tackling was excellent. 
Let's okay. Let's focus in on Rodriguez. You wrote about Chris and about his performance, and, and also about his career. Where, where, in your mind, you, as I have watched a lot of Kentucky football over the years, where, where does he rank in the in the uh, in the list or the conversation of great running backs at Kentucky? He's real close to the top. I was actually thinking about that last night as I was writing. Um, you know, I think you could. I don't know that he's going to be able to get there as far as the all-time leading rusher because you know mostly because of the this four-game suspension that started the year. But you know, I think he's in that argument for as good a running back as Kentucky's had. When he came here, he came here. Kentucky had Benny Snell. He was kind of first known even before we really had seen him play that much as a mini Benny, uh, Benny Benny Snell type back. That's the way Vince Merrow described him. Is he better than Benny Snell? Uh, I, I <laughs> not I to put you on to, the spot. But <laughs> yeah, I hesitate. I mean, Benny is the all-time leading rusher. You know, was the centerpiece of you know a ten-win team as as C Rod was too last year. Right. I mean, it, it's it's. You know, it's hard to, you know, put somebody ahead of a school's all-time leading rusher. That being said, you know what? I think C-Rod is a little, maybe is a little better. I think he's a little more explosive than Benny. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, he, he's not a burner, as he pointed out himself when he broke free last night and got run down from behind. But I do think he's a little faster than Benny. And, and I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to go against the, the all-time leading Kentucky rusher. But you know, I think there's a case to be made that C. Rod is a little, is has been a little better college back than Ben. Yeah, you know that run. Uh, yeah, he did get uh, behind, but it was a 47 yard run. To me, that was another big thing last night. Kentucky got, I think, six plays of 20 or more yards last night, where that explosive plays had kind of been lacking. They were kind of here and there on explosives, especially out of the run game, uh, where we were used to in the past, especially back in Eddie Grand days, where they would break break explosive runs. But uh, the other thing about Chris and Benny had that Benny was the same way. They're both in the same mode from this. I mean, there are just some runs where he just drags tacklers. Well, he just will not be brought down. I think of that seven-yard touchdown run last night uh, that he scored on that basically sealed the deal. He just was not going to go down. I mean, that's, he's just that can't – I'm not going to be denied type of style of running. Uh, that's just very impressive, and I know it's got to be inspirational to the uh, to his offensive lineman. Yeah, I think uh, the, that, that seven-yard run you referenced is about as good a seven-yard touchdown run as you're ever going to see. He ran through two tackles at the five, and there were like three guys then on his back, and he just carried them, carried them in, and fell into the end zone. I mean, it was just a tremendous individual effort. And you know, the, to go back to the offensive line, there actually were holes last night. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was you know it was easily I think the best. You know, I know they played pretty well in the second half at Florida. But I think, you know, especially given how much trouble the Mississippi State defense has given Kentucky the last two years, I think this was easily the most impressive UK offensive line performance this year. Yeah, I asked Mark Stoops about that after the game, and he he agreed without looking at the tape, of course, that he he thought it was the best offensive line performance, and as you mentioned, against a very aggressive defense. And it should be pointed out that Jeremy Flax, uh, who was out last week, uh, was back last night early for the game, but left early again with an injury. Uh, DeAndre Buford came back in, came in at that right tackle spot. So you know they did it again without one of their uh, one of their starters. So 
So, uh, that, you know, I think that was an impressive performance as well. As you said, Will Levis was only sacked sacked once. Uh, so, you know, obviously that was huge. What about Will? Uh, can't, you know, missed the game last week with a foot injury, toe injury, whatever it is, uh, against South Carolina. They lose to South Carolina. He comes back last night, hurts his shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder in the third quarter, sprints to the locker room, then sprints back out of the locker room, goes back out on the field and, you know, hits some big throws, especially a 50-yard throw. He threw a pick six uh, that cut the – Kentucky lead to 20 to 17 then came right back after that that 50 yard throw to Dekel Crowdis it was really good to see Dekel Crowdis make a big catch and make a big play with everything he's gone through but what about Will just from an inspirational standpoint and leadership and toughness standpoint last night yeah off the charts um, as I said earlier you know harken back to you know Stephen Johnson right. against Tennessee in 17 sort of the same scenario and, you know, it was impressive that after they maybe went to the well one time too many on those outside screens mm-hmm. and Emmanuel Forbes, who is a very, very, very good player, you know, jumped the route in the pick six that cut it to 20 to 17 and, you know, sort of deflated, you know, the crowd and, you know, your Kentucky coming off you know, two straight dispiriting losses, you know, sort of shot your, you know, sort of shot yourself in your own foot. At Ole Miss in a game probably should have won and then just didn't show up in a lot of ways for South Carolina. And then you have that adversity. It was impressive that, you know, Levis then drove his team, you know, back down the field, took control of the game again. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's turn to the defense. As you mentioned about Brad White, he was unhappy with the missed tackles against uh, South Carolina. They came back last night. Um and played very well against uh, against Mississippi State. I can't remember, but just a few missed tackles in the game. Uh, I think after the game, uh, DeAndre Square said they had 21 missed tackles last year at Starkville. They really cleaned that. And when Mississippi State beat them pretty easily last year in Starkville, they really cleaned that up last night. Anything in particular or any player in particular stand out to you on the defensive side? Well, as I noted to, to Brad in the postgame interview, to my highly untrained, I, I thought the interior linebackers – you know, the inside linebackers played really well. I mean, to me, the key to defending Mississippi State, and they throw so many of those short dump passes to the running backs, is you've got to keep them in front of you and get them on the ground. And I thought, for the most part, Kentucky did that. Yeah, I think Mississippi State came into the game averaging, I've got it written down here someplace, uh, 461 yards per game and 40 points per game. They ended up with, they only scored 10 points. Seven of their points came on that uh, pick six that you mentioned with Emmanuel Forbes, and they only had 225 total yards. The other thing, too, it was kind of a, you know, we, we both have made a point of that Mississippi State was running the ball more effectively in, in Mike Leach's air raid than any time that he had been in Mississippi State. They were averaging 107.6 yards rushing per game. They finished with just 22 yards per game. Now, I know they got behind there in the second half, but uh, really even in the first half, they really contained the running game. Uh, I watched Mississippi State against Arkansas the week before, and they got a lot of their yards off first down runs, uh, first and second down runs, and I thought Kentucky did a really good job last night of containing those yeah it, it was a it was a strong performance and you know, Kentucky's defensive line the, those guys the, the down linemen they don't produce a lot of you know quantifiable numbers in terms of you know tackles and sacks but I thought they played really well last night in terms of you know, staying in lanes and, and and just you know keeping keeping the game in front of them yeah no no doubt about it um Anything else before we move on to the uh, the rest of the year? 
another incredible crowd, I thought. Oh, yeah. Kentucky football crowds the last two years have just been ridiculous. They've been so good. And I don't know, you know, who maybe we should just give the credit to the students. The student section this year is the best I ever remember at Kentucky football. Yeah, and they, they really there early. They're loud. There yeah. was a point in the fourth quarter. You know, they were, you know, the, the student section was going nuts, you know, for the defense and the rest of the crowd was just sort of sitting around, but they were really, <laughs> you know, up and generating noise. They, they, the student section has just been incredible this year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Mark Seuss made a point last night before he even got to questions that he wanted to make sure and mention and thank the uh, crowds for their support. And he mentioned that the crowds have really been great all year. Uh, and I think after coming, yeah, I kind of wondered last night after coming off that performance against South Carolina whether you know people would be back last night, but they definitely were. Another crowd of over sixty-one thousand. Okay, we're gonna and going into the bye week, Kentucky does not play on Saturday, but then some big games after that. We're going to talk about that when we come back with Mark's story. Okay, back here with my friend and colleague and fellow columnist Mark Story. Uh, to me, this is a really good time for a bye week, although DeAndre Square, when I asked him about it last night, he disagreed with me. He said he's ready to go back out there and play another game. But they're pretty banged up, not just Will Levis. they got a bunch of guys who are hurt. Uh, to me, the bye week comes at a good time. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they, they're, they've played seven straight weeks, you know, four straight. Well, no, that's not true, but three straight conference games. And, you know, I think it's a good time to, to, to sort of heal up and, uh, and, and and just sort of catch your breath. You know, you know, Brad White did make a point that, you know, you have to be careful off the bye week not to sort of lose focus. But I would think with what they have directly ahead of them, it should be pretty easy to keep focus. Right. <laughs> and directly ahead of them after the bye week is Tennessee, the hot team in college football right now, especially after that epic game yesterday where they finally beat Alabama uh, 52-49. Kentucky has to go to Knoxville. Tennessee plays, I think they play UT Martin this week. Uh, some smart scheduling for, by them to have a, a FCS opponent after playing Alabama. Uh, you always do the early look at the next opponent. What about this Tennessee team? Well, they obviously have, have played really well. And as, as, as we have discussed this several times before, I'm a big Hendon Hooker fan. I think right. he's really, really good. Um, you know, it's interesting. I went back and looked at, at last year's Kentucky-Tennessee game, and one of the things I find interesting, I think opposing coaches sometimes get too caught up in Tennessee's tempo and feel like they have to be overly aggressive, especially on fourth down. And, you know, last year in that, in that, that game, Kentucky, in a tie game, Kentucky had the ball and had it fourth and four at the Tennessee 39 with 21 seconds to go. And Levis tried to hit Wondell Robinson, and it was, I, I had in my notes a drop. I don't really remember the play. But UT takes over the ball at their own 29 with you know, 21 seconds and is able to drive it down and kick a field goal, which wound up you know, being the margin in what turned out to be a 45-42 game. Then on the first possession of the fourth quarter, Kentucky had it fourth and eight at the UT 42. Levis was sacked for minus 11 by, by, by Young, and that set up Tennessee with a short field that became a touchdown, and that too wound up being, you know, arguably the difference in the game. You know, I think it's kind of important for Kentucky to, you know, try as best it can not to get caught up in Tennessee's tempo and just play its game. And I think the strategy that you saw last night with Kentucky, you know, controlling the ball and keeping the opposing offense on the bench 
you know, I think stylistically that's a good matchup against the way Tennessee plays. But you have to be clean and you have to execute because, you know, when you have scoring chances against this team, you have to catch them. Yeah, and I do think I think I do think that sometimes coaches get into this. Okay, it, it, we got to hold serve. They, you know, they're going to score, so we got to score. And we, we and field goals aren't going to do it. We got to get we got to get touchdowns. And sometimes I think that wins works to their detriment. And we seem to be. And I wrote a little bit about this last week. We're in a uh, era, or at least a trend right now, where teams are going for it on fourth down you know, much more than they used to. And also they're give, passing up points, chances to kick sure field goals because they feel like they need they need touchdowns. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, of course, the Alabama game there yesterday. Uh, early on in that game, Alabama had the ball down on the goal line and Nick Saban decided to go for the field goal when I think some coaches would have said, you know, he'd take the field goal and some coach said, you know, touch, field goals aren't going to do it. We need a touchdown. You can make the argument that if they had gone for the touchdown, maybe they win the game. Maybe that turns out to be the difference at the end of the game. But you could also make the point that they needed every point they could get could go for the field goal. So yeah, I do think you're right. I think the tempo and just that mentality, scoring mentality, sometimes works on the opposing coach. Yeah, I, th- I, I think, you know, I, I thought, you know, I watched a little bit of LSU Tennessee and, LSU was going for fourth downs and not making them, and, right. and, and it, it, it helped dig up, dig them into a big hole that they couldn't get out of. Right. I think is you know I think you have to try to be disciplined and just play your game. And they like said I think stylistically Kentucky the way they play is a, a pretty good antidote to the way Tennessee plays. Now that you still you have to execute and play well. Right. You know, all the you know you know. To, the, the, to some extent, the personality of this Kentucky team has just been mistake prone and you know sort of unforced errors, and you know that obviously is not going to fly if you're <laughs> aspiring to, to 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 ruin the to spoil the Tennessee uh, joyride. Yeah, no, I watched that LSU Tennessee game too. I thought during that game that LSU coach Brian Kelly, I wanted to say to Brian Kelly, "Hey, you're not at Notre Dame anymore. You're not playing Air Force or you're not playing Navy." <laughs> You're playing ten- a really good Tennessee team. Uh, you know you can't you can't go for it on fourth down every time and expect to make it on fourth down. And Tennessee, I know they gave up 49 points yesterday, and I thought Bryce Young and what I saw the game. I, you know, I didn't get to see the whole game, but, but we were all watching it there in the press box in the second half before the Kentucky game. You know, he was outstanding as well in that game. But I think Tennessee's defense is a little better than they've been, even though they did give up 49. My question about that game. So that hit that we've all watched on Twitter this morning where the, the Tennessee rusher comes in and just goes helmet to helmet right. on Bryce Young, I have no clue what is targeting at this point. No, I don't I don't either. I wrote about that too here recently. Uh, after the uh, uh, after well after the old Miss game when Todd Blackledge thought that was targeting on Will Levis on the hit on Levis on the fumble. And yeah, I, it's just very inconsistent from game to game, from crew to crew, from replay official to replay official. I yeah, you know, I I don't know what. I think the rule is a good rule. The intent is a good rule, but uh, there's just there's no uniformity into the the way it's called. I don't believe. Yeah, I, I think that goes without question. You know, a couple of you know, I think this. I think it's kind of a pressure-free shot for Kentucky. There's you know, nobody is going to be expecting Kentucky True. to win. So you know, what the heck, just go down there and let it fly. The other thing, it's hard to find many uh, metrics that favor Kentucky in the history of Kentucky Tennessee football. 
there just aren't many, but Kentucky's four and two against the Vols in games played in October. Right. And, and this coming game is played in October. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. You know, and another thing about the tempo, I don't know if it helps Kentucky or not that they've already played one high tempo team in Ole Miss. They got off to a slow start against Ole Miss. Mississippi jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead, but then the defense seemed to settle down and play much better the rest of the way. They only gave up a field goal, I believe, a couple of field goals. Uh, to Ole Miss the rest of the way. Ole Miss got two points on that safety. Uh, maybe maybe that'll help them going up against Tennessee that they've already played. Of course, they played Tennessee last year, as you mentioned, in a shootout game. Uh, but uh, this year they've already played you know one high-tempo team, so it's not like they haven't seen it. And they have an extra week to prepare for it in, in you know having a bye week. Uh, so you wonder if that may, might help as well. Yeah, I think that I think I think it should. You know, again, I went back and looked at my notes from last year's game. I think you know Tennessee did a seventy-five yard touchdown pass on the first, first play of the scrimmage of the game. Right on on their next series, they threw a seventy-two yard touchdown pass on the third play of the game. You know, I think it would obviously behoove Kentucky, and I understand this is easier said than done, not to give up those kind of chunk plays. The other thing that really hurt Kentucky, they gave Tennessee a ton of short fields last year. They really? were a couple of long kickoff returns, and I mentioned the failed fourth downs somewhat in the middle part of the field. You know, it, I think in a perfect world, you know, make them drive it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, is Hendon Hooker your uh, Heisman Trophy guy right now? I'm not a voter, but if I were, he would be number one for me this week. And would Tennessee be number one on your uh, top 25? No, I don't think I would jump them all the way to number one. I don't – I mean, beating Alabama is a great win, but it was a home win. You know, I, I, I probably would still, you know, have Ohio State and Georgia ahead of them in some order. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when the poll comes out later today. We're we're taping this on uh, recording this on Sunday morning, but it will be interesting to see how far Tennessee jumps up uh, in the poll. Uh, it does seem this year, and, and you're a voter, right? Yeah, I am a voter. I it voted them seem, second. It does seem this year that the voters are more willing. That, you know, they've been jumping Alabama and Georgia sort of off style points. Right in the past, you know, if you were number one and you won, you were going to stay number one. It seems yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've gone back and forth between I had Alabama number one starting out the year. Uh, then when they struggled uh, in a couple of games there, I moved Georgia up to number one and have stuck with Georgia, even though, and I kept Georgia number one. I think Ohio State obviously is really good, but I moved Tennessee up to two. I mean, uh, you can make the case they have four wins against top 25 teams. Now, not all four of those teams are still in the top 25. They beat uh, Pitts, you know, they beat. Um, uh, Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's out of the top 25. They beat Florida when they were in the top 25. They're out of the top 25. So not all those wins have come against top 25 teams, but certainly hard to argue against what Tennessee has done. I mean, Josh Heupel has done a great job getting them turned around, you know, turned around in a hurry. And I think a lot of that goes back to your favorite player, the way Hendon Hooker's played, which to me goes back to, you know, you, you've got to have a quarterback. You, you, I don't care if you're college or NFL. You've got to have a good quarterback. You don't necessarily have to have a great quarterback. I don't think Stetson Bennett at Georgia is a great quarterback, but I think he's a really effective college quarterback, and they have, you know, obviously great players around him. 
but you got to have a quarterback. I go back to one year, long a time ago, Jackie Sherrill, the old Mississippi State coach at the SEC Media Days, and Jackie said, and this kind of always stuck with me, and he said, I don't care what you say. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, and a lot of truth with Kentucky with the Levis and the way he has played. I know there's a lot of Levis skeptics out there. They think he gets too much hype from the NFL people. Uh, but I'd hate to see where Kentucky, you know, when he went to the locker room, when it looked like he was hurt and he went to the locker room, um, I, you know, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, you could see the season going out the window with him. Uh, and to come back the way he did uh, gave hope for not just the game for the rest of the season. So we'll see how it plays out. As you mentioned, not just Tennessee. They got after that. They go to Missouri. They got Vandy. They still have Georgia left on the schedule. And, of course, that game at the end of the year against Louisville, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, last five games. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's a pretty a pretty attractive in terms of potential big games. You know, sort of closing out the season. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, Mark, anything else? Anything you want to alert the readers to? Even though it is an off week, we'll uh, as we um, go into the bye week and then get ready for Tennessee. I'm. I'm going to have some good stories this week. They should uh, they should watch my column. <laughs> they should always watch your column. You yeah, always they have good especially stories. Watch this week because I've got some good stuff coming. Okay, good. Well, good. So be on the, be on the lookout for that. But yeah, we we sound like coaches. They're all big games. They're all big weeks. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, well, Mark, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. Uh, and read them in the pages of the Lexanero Leader and online at Kentucky.com. And as oh, oh one one last thing, Mark. I I'm sorry about your Dodgers. Yeah, that was brutal. I mean, you win 111 games and don't make it out of the first round of the playoffs and lose to a team you've just been dominating. I mean, just dominating for years. That was a. Dave Roberts said it was crushing, and I think I would agree with that. Your friend of mine, Jason Frakes, who covers high school for the Courier, who's a huge uh, Atlanta Braves fan, he was complaining on Twitter after the game after Atlanta lost yesterday that it was un- the playoffs are not fair because these teams like the Braves, uh, you know, the Mets, you can throw the Mets in there, and the Dodgers have great regular seasons, and then they fall victim. The Mets fell victim to the, the you know, the, the three-game wildcard series, uh, and then the Dodgers and Braves in this best of five. Do you have a problem with the way the playoffs are set up? Well, I mean, you know, the short series baseball is going to yield some random results. That's just the nature of the beast. But, you know, I, you know everybody knows what the deal is going right. in. I mean, I don't not you no know, not really. I mean, they've expanded the playoffs to make you know to involve more fan bases and 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 make it you know just try to generate interest in the sport and right. at least, you know you know you know what you know what you signed up for. So now I really as 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 unhappy as I am with the outcome of a five game division series. I, you know, you know, everybody knew what the deal was going in. Right. Yeah, that's what I, I agree. Everybody knows what it is. You can tailor what you do in the regular season to, you know, try to help yourself, you know, be good at the end of the year because you, when it counts, just like in, uh, just like, you know, college basketball or NBA basketball, it's the playoffs or the NCAA tournament that people remember, and that's what counts. So anyway, uh, okay, so we got an off week this week, but then after that, a huge game against Tennessee. Really looking forward to that one. And Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast. Give us a rating and review 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and our radio podcast. A rating review helps people find the podcast. We appreciate everyone who's, who's done that. We appreciate everyone who has uh, who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab, check out all the subscription offers to Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader as well. Uh, one more thing, as I mentioned, it's October 16th. It's my wife's birthday. I want to wish Cindy a very happy birthday. And I want to thank everybody who listens to the podcast. I want to thank Mark Story. We're off this week, but we'll be back the week after with more Kentucky football podcasts and plenty of Kentucky football coverage. So be sure and check all that out. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.